you join me in a prayer of dedication? Holy Spirit, would you continue to be in this place? Would you move in our midst that we might hear you speak into our lives and have the courage to follow? We pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Today our scripture reading has us returning to the Sermon on the Mount from the Gospel of Matthew. If you want to look at the entire thing, you can go home and read Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, Every bit of it is challenging, but the insight for how we're supposed to faithfully live uh, gives this text an incredible richness. Hear now the word of God from Matthew 5, 38 to 48. You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This text has two weird things going on. The first is a trick that Jesus pulls. It's tough to catch. I didn't catch it the first time I read it. Did you? Okay. Jesus says twice, you have heard it was said, and then he goes on to say something from the Old Testament. First he quotes, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, which, as you, of course, already know, shows up in Exodus 21. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. And in Leviticus 24, broken bone for broken bone, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, just as he has injured a man, so it shall be afflicted to him. In Deuteronomy 19, thus you shall show no pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Starting off on a cheery note today. You caught it in all of them, though, right? Eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It was there in all those passages. And then he talks about that a bit before saying, You have heard it was said, and going on, You shall love your neighbor as yourself and hate your enemy. And of course, you know that this comes from Leviticus 19. I'll admit, I had help from Google. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Did you hear it? Jesus quotes this text, You shall love your neighbor as yourself and hate your enemy, except we just read the text Jesus is supposedly quoting. Did you catch the trick? Jesus is playing a game. It's called Bible or not the Bible. You say a quote and people decide if it's in scripture or not. And I think we should play. So we're actually going to play. I'm going to say some famous quotes that are often attributed to the Bible. And you vote if it's the Bible or not the Bible. 
Are you ready? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Bible. Not Bible. And a hundred abstentions. <laughs> Not the Bible. That was actually John Wesley, a famous pastor and the founder of the Methodist Church. Here's another one. God helps those who help themselves. Bible. Not the Bible. Ben Franklin. Okay, one more. Sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. Bible. Not Bible. Bible. It is from the book of Ecclesiastes. Anything sad, you can look there, or Lamentations. And it's a pretty safe bet. You shall love your neighbor but hate your enemy. There's Jesus' trick question. Bible. Not Bible. Here's the text Jesus is quoting again. Leviticus 19. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The answer is that it's half in the Bible. You shall love your neighbor as yourself is in Leviticus. Hating your enemy. Someone added that at some point. Like cleanliness is next to godliness because it just makes sense. Except that it's wrong. Love your neighbor but hate your enemy is not what the Bible says. That was tacked on by tradition by someone at some point. But eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. That's right here. That's good biblical law. Which is super confusing to me because it looks like Jesus is contradicting something in the Bible. If it were anyone else and not Jesus, I'd be upset. I'd get sassy. I would say, oh, the word of God isn't good enough for you, huh? Except Jesus is the word of God. And the Bible is the word of God. So they can't contradict each other, right? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's the letter of the law. We also have to understand where that's coming from. What that meant was that you couldn't retaliate in a way beyond what was worse than what happened to you. If someone takes your eye, you can't go and kill their family. Not allowed. Because retaliation, vengeance, has a way of getting out of control. We have that phrase, blood boils. You get fired up and an eye for an eye ensures that revenge is fair, that it's equal, that vengeance doesn't exceed the bounds of justice, or that someone's influence or popularity means they get off with nothing happening to them. An eye for an eye. Nothing more, nothing less. But here Jesus interprets the meaning. He doesn't abolish it. He's not into abolishing the law. We talked about that a couple weeks ago from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus says not one letter will fade away until the end of the age. And notice he doesn't say this is untrue. He says, you have heard it was said, but I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. If someone strikes your cheek, turn the other also. So our question is whether both can be true. This command that Jesus shares, it's a law. And we have to remember that for the Jews, this book, the Bible, wasn't just religious laws. It was also their nation's laws. These were religious and national laws. The government and how the people interacted with each other. We don't enforce the speed limit. We don't give parking tickets. We don't have that authority from the state of Alabama. 
The government doesn't check if you tithe or whether you attended church on Sunday, although it used to. In Israel, they were the same. So the biblical law was how the people of God should treat each other, which is with justice. A crime deserves that things be made right or as close to right as you can. And before Jesus, God's people didn't have the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross to cleanse us of our sins. So they were accountable for their sins. That verse Jesus quotes from Exodus and Leviticus, it's part of this whole chapter that shares how we should relate to each other. If I'm out driving and I kill your cow, I'm required to pay you for the value of the cow. If we're playing football and I injure you and you're not able to work, I have to pay you the salary for the time that you miss. It's this whole section on how we're required to relate to each other, on making things right. And it's summed up by this famous verse, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And Jesus doesn't deny that sin deserves justice. Understand this, he isn't denying the importance of justice. This isn't about giving evildoers a get-out-of-jail-free card. The New Testament, it talks about punishment in the same book, in the Gospel of Matthew. If you skip ahead 13 chapters, there's a whole section on how to discipline fellow Christians. You confront them when they sin against you. And then you confront them with the group. And then you confront them with the whole church. And if they still don't change, they're gone. That's in the same gospel. So Jesus isn't saying there's no such thing as punishment. What he says is, don't resist an evildoer. And then these examples. If they ask for a cloak, give them your shirt. If they make you walk a mile, walk an extra mile. If they hit you, turn the cheek. Jesus isn't contradicting the law of the Old Testament. It's still true. It's still in place. He's asking us, as his followers, to sacrifice what we deserve. He asks us to sacrifice what we deserve for the sake of our witness. Look at these examples for a second. This example of walking. Do people know where this is from? In Jesus' time, the Romans ruled over Jerusalem. And say you're a Roman soldier working there. You can picture it. You resent the natives a little bit. You had to leave behind your family to serve in this dusty desert. Every day, you're under constant threat of rebellion. If you're that guy, would you ever hear out one of these backwards Jews about a guy who died named Jesus? No. There's this barrier between you, this resentment and bitterness. And from time to time, you take pleasure in these small revenges. And one of the most common, as a Roman soldier, you could tell any of the locals to carry your pack for you. And they have to carry it exactly one mile. So you can relax. Finally, let the tension out of your shoulders. Just walk. And you can watch this guy, the reason that you're here, as he sweats under the hot sun, carrying your heavy pack. And you feel a little better about yourself. You watch him sweat it out, and you think, that's right. That's what I have to carry every day. So then you picture this. You get to a mile, and you reach out to take your pack, and you're expecting this look of hatred or anger. And instead, with sweat dripping down his face, the guy smiles at you and says, no problem, I can carry it another mile, and keeps going. That moment, right there. That moment is why Jesus asks us to sacrifice what we deserve because in that moment this soldier just might be curious what world you live in 
that you're carrying my pack an extra mile. We sacrifice what we deserve for the sake of our testimony. Honestly, think about this. You're suing someone for their coats. The background on this, if you take a loan and can't repay it, it means you've got nothing, but they're allowed to sue you for your coat. That's where this comes from. So this happens. You're suing this guy for the coat, and the next day you see them running towards you, and you're ready, of course, to hear a sob story. This is so unfair. Maybe they're going to scream at you in public. You're braced. And instead, the guy says, I know I couldn't repay the loan. Here's my coat. And also, here's my shirt as well. As that person walks away in their underwear, you wonder to yourself, what world does this guy live in? That moment right there is why Jesus asks us to sacrifice what we deserve for the sake of our witness. And it's why we can't copy and paste this command out of the Bible, because our society has different rules that guide it. We can't copy and paste. We have to interpret it. For example, give to everyone who begs. Begging is completely different now. The way it functions in society is not the same. When we travel to another country or to a city, we advise people, be careful whom you give to. Because not everyone who begs needs the money. And Jesus doesn't say, enable bad behavior. Sometimes people beg for drugs. Sometimes it's laziness. And Jesus is talking about something different. Jesus says, give to everyone who begs from you. If you see a person begging for food, get them food. Sit with them, eat with them. I offered to do this for a gentleman once in Chicago. He was sitting outside of a subway, and his sign said, hungry, need money for food. And I said, come on in, let's grab some subway. And he started yelling at me that he wanted the cash. So I walked away, because that's not what Jesus is saying. These verses aren't about being naively nice, because it's a good idea. They're about living in this off-kilter way that reveals the impact God has had on our lives. So people ask, what world are you living in that you act this way? And we get this little moment where we can say, one where Jesus has lived and has died and has been raised to life and has sent the Holy Spirit. And we're living in his kingdom right now. At convocation this January, one of our parents came up with an idea to have our youth write down an impactful Bible verse on a sheet of paper and then hand it to someone on our free day in Gatlinburg, just someone on the street, with the hope that it would be a blessing to them. And our, our kids did it. And as you'd expect, they felt a little uncomfortable and a little proud. But I watched the faces of the people who got the verses. And most of them were confused for a second. One woman genuinely looked annoyed. But one woman got a quiet smile on her face and carefully folded the verse and tucked it in her pocket. Another woman looked away and wiped a tear from her eye. Something you may not realize is unique about Americans is we are intensely private. Personal physical space, about this much in line, why are you so close? But also emotionally. Our youth didn't realize it, but they were acting off kilter. They gave up the comfort of their privacy with the hope of being a blessing to someone. They had a right to the comfort of their privacy. I don't have to give this sheet of paper. I don't have to go up to a stranger. They gave it up, and they found that they were a blessing. 
The real challenge from this verse isn't to take it literally. There is no oppressing army to love. No one is suing you for your coat, which makes trying to do those things cop-outs. The spirit of this verse is sacrificing a thing we deserve for the sake of spreading the gospel, like the comfort of privacy. Sharing a testimony is uncomfortable for many of us. It is off-kilter for our society. Praying out loud is often off-kilter. There are professionals for praying out loud. That's what we pay them for. The law says you have a right to that. The law says you deserve an eye for an eye. I'm saying that after a hard week at work or school, you deserve the comfort of privacy. We all do. But if you sacrifice it for the sake of sharing the gospel, I think you'll find the Spirit of God waiting for you. Right where you did not want to go. A final story from Convocation, because it hits the point. About a month before Convocation, but well after my adults had agreed to go, I asked them if they would be willing to join me in sharing a testimony, one at each of our group devotionals. I know that was uncomfortable for them. Sharing my testimony can be uncomfortable for me, but it gives up our well-earned privacy. It's off-kilter, but they did it. Each testimony was totally different, and I can just tell you the Spirit of God moved as they shared. There was laughing, there was crying, and the Spirit of God moved right where none of us wanted to go. So this morning, I think Jesus has something to say, something that is halfway in the Bible. You have heard it was said, believe in your heart. But I say to you, believe with your mouth, and you will see the Spirit move. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you for his Holy Spirit that is moving even today as we welcome Charlie into our midst. We ask that that same Spirit would be within each and every one of us opening our eyes to ways we can live off-kilter and reveal that because of you, we are no longer the same. God, be with us now and always. Amen.